Thank you for joining us. This is Happiness, the Skeptic's Guide with Chartered Psychologist and author Dr. Gary Wood and professional skeptic and self-help abuser Paul Flower. In short bursts, we blow the froth off popular psychology to sift the science from the snake oil to find the things that could actually make you happier. Part three of our self-help trilogy, um, which may actually become more than a trilogy, a quadrigy or whatever the proper <laughs> terminology is for that. In this particular episode, we're going to look at how to read a self-help book and how to find the best one for you and how to get the best from the ones that you buy. Is that a good enough explanation, do you think? That sounds absolutely spot on to me. So over the past couple of episodes, we've obviously been looking at self-help books. And one of the things I said in the, not last one, the one before, was choose a self-help book like you choose a therapist. And it makes it sound awfully serious. But we've also talked about the idea of reading the reviews on various periodicals, whatever is your favourite newspaper. Try and look at a broadsheet review. Have a look on Goodreads. And yeah, good, get- Goodreads would be a good suggestion because I think some of, you know, there are now so many self-help books that finding a review probably that's an honest review is going to be tricky. You know, you may find one on a, on a book selling website that none of us want to frequent. Yeah. But you may not necessarily find one in the, uh, the book sections of newspapers because book sections of newspapers are gradually dying. Well, that's cheered you up, hasn't it? Well, thank yeah. you very much. Well, <laughs> welcome to a new episode of Happiness, a Skeptic's Guide. Yeah. We're all doomed. You're We're meant all... to be the happy one, obviously. Oh, am I? Oh, I'm not feeling very happy this week. Right. So what when we choose a book, like we choose a therapist, we're talking about credibility. Is the author credible? Is the premise credible? Now, this is a, this is a difficult one, isn't it? I think because wouldn't some people think that an author is credible because he has five or six bestsellers? Yes. Whereas actually some of those might be just full of piffle and waffle and be completely useless. Where we're looking at is we're looking for practical help from people who've done proper research, as you said in the last episode. Yes, I mean, you can see that on the internet. You say, I have 30 years experience in thinking about the universe. <laughs> well, well, have, well, have you indeed? <laughs> Haven't we all? Yes. So I would say, have you got any experience in psychology, in psychotherapy, in counselling? If it's a business book, have you got any experience in business? My favourite video of all time, and it's gone now, was on YouTube and it was someone sitting there, a man sitting there in a string vest. He was in, looked like a spare bedroom, a few packing crates in the background. And he looks at the camera and he goes, I can make you a millionaire. And I think, no, you can't. And it was just. <laughs> Why do you make yourself one first? <laughs> yes. So if it's a business book, has this person got some expertise in business? And you also look at the expertise. Are they known? You know, people say. So, okay. I, uh, all right. I'm going to say, I'm going to be devil's advocate here because you might say that Donald Trump has got some experience in business, but, you know, his experience in business and his best selling book, The Art of the Deal or whatever it is, is just really about shafting as many people as you possibly can, getting ahead by using your daddy's money. And, you know, we don't all have that ability, do we? So we might see Donald Trump as a successful person on the American version of The Apprentice and being this huge businessman, but actually he's not successful at all really i was coming on to that point i mean are people successful by bullying uh, and is it just that the, it's the force of their personality now uh, tony robbins has a couple of really he's a well-known probably the highest paid 
well, he tells you, uh, self-help guru. He admits he's got no qualifications. But his two books are actually... Two books? Well, he's got two main books that he wrote in the 80s, 90s, and then he's got lots of spin-offs from those. But those yeah. books are actually quite well written. I would agree with that because I think um, the Awaken the Giant Within is one of the best self-help books I've ever read. And for reasons that I can't quite quantify, it actually made me happier when I was reading it. And I, I don't know why that is. I don't know if that comes back to the infotainment stuff. But, you know, the stuff from that book that I can quote today, you know. And one of the things is, is that he has capitalised on his physical height. He's a very tall man. Some might say, to, by some stance, he's a giant. Yeah. So he, so it's a way of capitalising, awaken the giant within. But yeah, not there's, a, every- there's a hook on there, there's yeah. a gimmick. Yeah, not everybody can be as tall as him. No. And some of the advice is actually very good. And some of it really, really pushes the boundaries. So, I mean, it comes back to so what we're saying here, I think, you know, to try and be as succinct as possible is find someone who you think is an expert, read a little bit about them, do a bit of research about the book, see if it's the right one for you. Now, something you've mentioned in the past, which I think is really interesting, is the the types of self-help book. Well, the idea of a, a, a growth book yes. versus a problem-solving book. Yeah. And so, yeah, some of the books would be, we've got a problem we want to fix. It might be lack of confidence. It might be a practical skill that we want to acquire. So decide on what, do you want to move towards something or do you want to move away from something? Mm -hmm. That probably comes to the next bit about does the book speak to you? So it's tone. Do you identify with the author? Is the author kind of likely to motivate you? Does it impose a narrative on you or does it help you to retell your story? So those are important things in motivation. So if the author is just telling you what to do, is that motivating? Because I think self-help books should be empowering. I, I usually tell my clients that mine is a terrible business model in coaching, is that I aim to make myself redundant as quickly as possible. It shouldn't be a dependency that you need to go on to buy the next book. Mm -hmm. So think about the tone. Is it speaking to you? Is it likely to motivate you? The next one is, I know you've struggled with this and you've admitted to this, is the active engagement with the book. So are you going to try the exercises and get involved with it? Or is it kind of just like a passive washover that, you know, you want to be there in your hammock? You want to read this book? Yes, I've been watching. Um, <laughs> and you just you, you just want it to kind of wash over you and you want to feel a bit good and it kind of reaffirms your, your... Your beliefs in yourself and what you need to do to be, to get better or to be successful or whatever. Yeah, you definitely hit a nail on the head there. And, and of course, I have like teed you up for that in the past by saying that that is the thing I struggle most with. So the, at the heart of it, I think a self-help book, it's not only, you know, you, you approach it like you're going to approach a therapist, you also approach it like it's a personal development opportunity it's a course so I, I refer to some of my books as it's a personal development course in a book and so you think about it oh I've lost totally lost my thread then <laughs> <laughs> no so it's a personal development course in a book so the idea is you would suspend your disbelief and you're just going to immerse yourself and you're going to try the book out. And then you're going to do all the critical reevaluation at the end. So rather than do it idea by, does this idea work for me? Because it's sometimes doing stuff that you don't fully agree with or don't 100% resonate with you will take you out of a comfort zone into a slightly different perception of the world. And that's what doing the exercises will do for you. So if you treat it like a personal development course in a book, and at the end of it, then I'm going to assess it, 
you probably have a much better experience and it will probably be much more useful because this, you don't know what you don't know. So if you always approach it thinking, this isn't going to work for me, this is not me, what you're actually doing is saying, okay, I really want to stay where I am. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't want to change. I don't want things to get better. I just want somebody to tell me and comfort me in a little. I think most people who buy a self-help book want it to improve themselves or their life or their attitude to life a little bit. Some of the suggestions perhaps sound like things that they would never do, and so therefore they don't actually do them. The comfort zone thing is a little tricky. I think people love their comfort zones, obviously. So, you know, that that's where they prefer to live, you know, if they can. Dragging yourself out of that zone, just, I don't know, that, that always feels like, you know, one of those business manuals that preach things that, you know, are never going to happen to people like us. I don't, I don't know. I, but you have an acronym, don't you? Which is, which uh, I, I thought was useful. Um, well, look, I want to come on to that first. Yep. Okay. First of all, it's to say that you've hit the nail on the head there is that we all, there are almost two forces that impinge upon us. And that's the love of security and our comfort zone versus the love of novelty and something new. So if we always just go for security, it can get very boring. If we always go for novelty, it can get very unpredictable and scary for some. And it's trying to find the balance between the two is a lot of what you're doing is probably working and probably should keep it. But if we kind of rehearse or audition in a way, some novel ideas, hmm. then it, we might find something that's actually, you think, I would not have thought about that had I not done the exercise and it's something I want to keep. Or you might think, I never want to do that again as long as I live. No, and this person's an idiot and I'm never going to listen to anything they say. <laughs> uh, so it also helps, before we move on to the acronym, is when you're working through a book, have a notebook with you as well. Uh, I mean, they're often called journals. It makes them sound awfully grand. I would say now, actually, I'd, I'd agree with you, but I would say now your f- most phones and certainly all um, internet-connected phones have a notes function. That's <gasps> what I tend to use. I'm kind, I'm a bit old school because I think there's something... We know. In, in, well, there's something important about writing stuff down. There's more of a connection. Uh, you, you use different parts of the brain when you're writing, you're thinking, or you're doodling. So I would encourage people to actually write stuff down in a more organic way. Aren't you going to lose that then? Or is that, you know, or should you kind of, within getting your self-help book, get yourself a, a notebook that becomes your self-help guide? Yes. Keep a notebook specifically for what your a self-help idea. work. I could, I could publish that, definitely. An empty book. It's like a, um, well, the, the, they do exist, actually, these empty no, books. I know the journals do, obviously, yeah. but, you know, the fact that you can kind of say, okay, I'm going to keep this little A5 or, a, you know, booklet, you know, I'm going to take the notes that I like from the, this particular self-help book and keep them and, and refer back to them. You think of, think of it like a lab book. So if you worked in science, you would, yeah, you'd record your experiments. I tried this uh, and this was the result. Therefore, I'm going to adapt and do this in the future slightly differently and like you say you've got a permanent record of it for the future so and what i I think what i've described there is like a a scientific approach you have some kind of plan so your plan could be to read a book then you take some kind of action the action should be read the book and then there's a review okay what have i learned for the book and how does that change my overall plan and my overall 
idea of the world and then you keep going around this plan action review yeah what what do you want also what do you want from the book you know ask yourself the question at the start i think you know what do you want this book to do then within the process of reviewing the book and keeping notes has it done what you wanted it to do and if not why not so we're coming then on to this neatly bring us into to the the uh, the acronym uh, which is SQ3R. So SQRRR. So, and that, uh, people are thinking, oh, yeah, we play a stuttering then. It's repeating. <laughs> right. So it, it's, it's SQ3R. Bio- it always actually, when I read this in, in your book, The Psychology of Wellbeing, I, I, for some reason, it made me think of the Roman Empire. But anyway, yes, SQ3R. Yes, it does actually. Yeah. And it, it, it was devised by the, uh, writer as a study skills technique by the wonderfully named Francis Pleasant Robinson. Excellent. Samuel Smiley and Francis Pleasant Robinson. Pleasant Robinson. SQ3R then. So S is the survey bit. And we flick through the book. We, we do judge each by its cover. We get a feel for the layout. We decide whether it speaks to us, whether, you know, it's something that we can work with. I mean, I hate books with really tiny prints. It just re- I find them really daunting. Like, not the great big, you know, three words to a page books. I, I like the, you know, so a reasonably, a reasonably sized font that I don't have to, you know, squint to look at, even with glasses on. Look at the layout. What, you know, how is the book organized? So just get a feel for it. And you can do that in the bookshop and you will get an immediate sense of whether that's a book you can work with. And then you mention questions. So write down some questions. What answers do I want from reading this book? What knowledge do I want at the end? How do I want things to be different at the end? And you can also do that for each chapter. What answers do I want for this chapter? Yeah, a lot of the books, um, and I think yours is actually one of those, it, where they do kind of, you know, they do summarise at the start what they're going to tell you. Yeah. And then there are there are points at the end, you know, the, the main summary points are at, at the end of the chapter. And I think those are very good. So in the introduction, yeah. you tell them what you're going to tell, <laughs> you tell them, them, then you tell them. Tell them, you, then you tell you, them again. <laughs> tell them what you've told them. Yeah, it's a classic essay writing thing, and it does work. Because the idea of telling people what you're going to tell them, it sets up a context. So the same as the idea of having a question. You've, so rather than just reading this book for the sake of it, you're reading the book for a purpose, which means you're more likely to process it at a deeper level. Because all the reading will be done thinking, OK, how does this answer the question? How does this answer the question? So always start with some questions. What do you want? What should I get from this book? Hmm. Then the easy bit comes is you read the book. That's the first R with your questions in mind. And if you like, you can make your little notes along the way. And then there's a react bit. And that's not just react thinking, oh, that was rubbish or that was brilliant. It's actually no, do the... rubbish act- isn't one of the three R's. No, do it with SQ4R. <laughs> um, you actually react to the book. And in this case, for a self-help book, you do the exercises. You take some actions that are slightly different. Step out of your comfort zone. I mean, we don't want you to be terrified. So if the book says, oh, okay, for week one, do a bit of abseiling or, you know, a bit of bungee jumping, you know, (laughs) hopefully that's too much. But if it's just telling you to try out an exercise, God's sake, just do it. And then review for each chapter, for each exercise. What have you learned? What's changed? What insights have you got? So that you can see that the real key things are read, react, review, rather than what we do is just read. Uh, well, reaction is all staying in our heads. 
and reviewings all staying in our heads. So yeah, so it, it's now it's now a new three R's essentially. So whereas you might have thought of reading, writing, and arithmetic, yep. you are now thinking of read, re, uh, read, review, <laughs> read, read, mumble. <laughs> no, mumble begins with an M. Read, and rev- yes, those. So always remember, if you take nothing away from this podcast, so I don't know whether to (laughs) Right then. So, and the final thing. This is what they tune in for. And the final thing is you mentioned two episodes back about, talked a bit about bibliotherapy Mm -hmm. and the idea of the book club. So we can do this with a self-help book. So there's nothing stopping you doing it as a loan, but you can also uh, maybe partner up with someone and agree to read a chapter a week and try the exercises and come and discuss what you've done. Going to be somebody you kind of get on with or somebody you trust or some and somebody who wants to read the book as well and maybe wants to make similar changes. In that way, you've got a motivation to read the book. There's more of a motivation to try out the exercises and you get somebody else's insight so you can discuss, which might then trigger something in you. So you probably get more out of it by, by a shared experience, which, of course, you get when you attend a personal development course. There's lots of opportunities to discuss. Yeah, these are really good suggestions, I think, because um, you're more likely to, to hit a goal or keep a promise if you've told somebody else about it. And I think that certainly fits with the reviewing it with somebody else alongside you. There's also a website called Reading Well, and that has books that would probably have been recommended by therapists or people who've been through them and found something useful in them and can recommend them in some way. Uh, So that's probably a good place to go as well. There there are lots of websites kind of cropping up now where where people are sharing their experiences of reading, where, you know, using reading as a form of therapy. And that's a great, great point, actually. And I'd never heard of reading well, so that's uh, excellent. I will take a look at that. I thought it might be the uh, promotional service of Reading Borough Council and uh, trying to sell reading well oh yes well he did never heard of reading well well it's actually mentioned in the psychology of well-being so it just oh, goes to show it, how it? much yes want me to get shall i get I've the page about three times i've got it in front of me look let, let me i'm finding the page number as we speak right <laughs> oh, yeah. where is it where is, oh no i can't no i've lost it oh no i can't it's going to be somewhere in chapter um five which has the awful spelling mistakes in right oh, anyway excellent Look at so that I later. Think, Throws so, it to one side. So, so the recap is to assess the credibility of a book, read some reviews, assess the tone of a book. Is it speaking to you? And then actively engage with the book. And the method I've suggested is the wonderful uh, Francis Pleasant Robinson's SQ3R method, which is survey, question, read, react and review. And make notes as you go, because that then becomes your story and it becomes something that you can look back on in the future. So if you have a tough time or you're faced with a similar problem, you've got some evidence of how you overcame it the first time around. Fabulous. Thanks for that insight. I think that's really useful. And it should be useful to everybody that's ever read a self-help book or is planning to read one in the future. And we do recommend that you do. And I bet you're going, I bet you can't wait now, can you, to get off this? I'm going straight to reading well. To get out of the studio and get get off your dusty shelf. Don't wait for your ship to come in. Swim out to meet it and do those exercises. Trying to remember where it is, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again for joining us. That was and is Happiness, A Skeptic's Guide with Paul Flower and me, 
Gary Wood. Remember to hit the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts so you'll be the first to know about new episodes. Thank you.